special is in the air here. Long. Games. Brees Hall over the right side, powering in, touchdown Cyclones. Out to the 10, to the left side, to the 5, touchdown! Oh my goodness, what a touch by Wall! So it's been a pretty crazy three, last since a week now, almost a week now since the, I asked you to do the interview the day before everything went haywire when texas and oklahoma left yeah, so what's as it as a just a regular guy to someone who actually played in the conference what do you think about all this it's definitely a uh looking at the future and stuff for the conference and it's definitely something that uh, you can't there's no you don't have any control over it so looking at the outside in and as a player perspective and as a as a recruit perspective too coming up going into the future it's like there to be more concrete like path um just to reassure that hey everything's okay this guy's not on fire and uh, the cyclones will land in a good conference and we'll play good competition that'll put us in the best positions to get to the playoffs or a good bowl game yeah it's because i was excited when the first like they said the expansion the playoffs i'm like perfect like we're to the, we're in the tier of like we can make the playoff like almost every year if we keep like in the top three of the big 12 and then this happens. I'm like, it's uh, it's, it's going to uh, be like the SEC versus like the group of five and some like the pack. They're going to just kill the Pac-12 pl- team who comes in. So it, I don't know. It, 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 I'm still bummed out about it. I'm st- Jamie had a video last night trying to call everyone down, but it didn't really work for me. Yeah, everybody was ragging on him for being on his jet ski. I was like, hey, let let yeah. Jamie be on his jet ski. He's got us. He's got us. Yeah, he, uh, but. It's funny because I have a lot of people that talk to me about this as well, and, and they've all said the same thing collectively. They're like, what What an Iowa State thing for when it's the program's getting ramped up for now the conference to kind of realign. But um, with that being said, with uh, Coach Campbell and Jamie and everybody else, the whole coaching staff, I have complete faith in yeah, what's going to happen. Like 10 years ago, we, we had a not-so-good football basketball program and a not-so-good football program, and we – the ESPN saved us, and the Longhorn Network saved us, but now looking how we have one of the best, uh, like we've eaten Texas two times in a row, and now that we are actually competing, like back when you were in college, we weren't really competing with Oklahoma, unfortunately, but like now we like, it's like a one possession game. Like I did not, as a growing up an Iowa State fan, I didn't never thought that was even possible. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, definitely uh, getting rid of that stigma of like, hey, we're going to play Oklahoma or Texas. Oh, God, now here we go again. Like, when, when I was playing, we, I mean, two seasons in a row, we lost like six or seven games by a touchdown or less. So it was like at the cusp, and then it just kind of the wagons fell off the, or yeah. the, the wheels fell off the wagon. Yeah. Um, now, watching with the culture and everything, that you know everything's going to be okay. Or if, it's, if it ends up a loss, you know, which, which happens and everything, you know everything that led up to that point that, uh, everything was done right with Coach Campbell, and and the plays were made because they doing the right things in the off season. And um, major difference from our our years or my years in the program. Yeah, like looking back at like your highlights, like you would have been. I think you would have fit perfectly in like the three, like what they do now. I think you would have even thrived more than you did back then. And you were like an all t- third team All Big Twelve player, and I think you you would have strived in like. You you were like not to like bash your defensive line, but you were like the main focus of blocking and the, like having like equal talent on the offense defensive line. Like you would have been a sack machine, I think. If yeah, you played definitely. Nowadays. Um, talking, I talked to Jeff Woody about this a couple of weeks back, which kind of reminded me of it. Um, you know, I had uh, I was all Big Twelve two years in a row. Yeah. Um, and then in those two years, we lost David Irving. We lost Rodney Coe. We lost Colin Bevins. We lost Quentin Pompey. Um, our defensive line was just, uh, it was it was young. It wasn't ready. Um, so, yeah, looking back on it and everything, it was definitely, it, it was nice to be like the guy that everybody was uh, looking to, 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 to block or um, to make the play and everything. But uh, when you're playing against teams that are obviously going to game plan against that, 
and not having the outside help or coverage and everything to contain. And, and if you flush the quarterback out, he's just going to go on the op- opposite side and keep running. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah. Like what, yeah. What do you think is so differently now that like things are like, you guys had a good defensive court, like coordinator. Like he was coach Burnham. Yeah, yep. Burnham was a great defensive coordinator for his time. And like seeing like the way from like the shift of like having good defensive linemen, how, how big of that do you think is for our defense compared to like when you played your defense line kind of struggled and like when they ran the ball, they got like, like not, the, I'm not trying to bash your no, team, no, but like eight, eight hour, like eight yards of play. No, it happened. And like, yeah. um, for experience and then uh, just having the bodies in there, like I kind of was talking about earlier, like once our, once our guys either left the program or got kicked off, um, things like it was trying to be a leader on the, on the, on a young defensive line. And we had a young linebacker core too, because you, yeah. you just replaced AJ Klein and, and Jake Knott, and then and then Jeremiah George, and um, it was it was definitely uh, a struggle in that aspect. So like when Rot, Rot, that off season, like we were like we're finally like we had didn't, didn't really have a defense, defensive line, and then we had Rodney Coe, who was supposed to be a stud, David Irving who grew into like he came in raw, he was mm-hmm. like a six seven guy out there, he was just big and you could. And then he's finally like learning his ways. Yeah. And like then that off season happens, and yeah, it was uh, kind of rough on you for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and with David with the stop sign and everything, it was it's kind of unfortunate that he's so tall and he stuck yeah, out. And yeah. It's like yeah, I mean yeah, he made a mistake, and it might have not been his first mistake at Iowa State, but who who's perfect? And um, you know, I'm not going back on like if the decision to kick him off the team was right or wrong, but David's a great person. Um, and yeah, he was growing into uh, becoming a great defensive lineman, and then it showed in, in the NFL. Um, Rodney Coe, I wish we would have kept him as well. A great person as well. Um, just you needed. He was the type of guy you had to keep him on railroad tracks, like yeah. focused. Like, um, and then Bob Pay, and then uh, Colin Bevins went to Northwest Missouri State and won a couple championships there. Really, yeah, so, worked out for him. So like, you guys, ha- you guys had the formula, but we just didn't weren't able to see it, which is really unfortunate. Because, like, I feel like Paul Rhodes, like, obviously Iowa State fans love him, but, like, I feel like there's little things that didn't go his way that, like, if you look at Campbell, like, oh, well, you can talk about the culture and that, but some things have gone his way. Like, like the, that situation really derailed our defense for the whole year. It's kind of like – Yeah, like, there's uh, yeah, there's a couple times where the ball uh, – <laughs> I've watched and it's just like, of course the ball bounces that way, or of yeah. course the – uh, the referees come in and, and throw the flag on that when there was nothing or something like that. Uh, definitely a lot of those moments, um, but yeah, like definitely. the the infamous uh, Jeremiah George strips thing in the Texas one yard line. Yep. So I was uh, I was the right defensive end in that play. So I yeah. swooped in. Um, you could see me like I'm like grabbing the running back's legs and I'm holding them by the ankles, like a little ankle biter and stuff. And then when Jeremiah stripped that. And uh, it was forward progress. That that right there is like, all right, Texas, you know, you know, you're already getting all the plays all going your way, and now you're leaving the Big Twelve because you want. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> was more a, money and everything. I was in seventh grade. I took my phone and just spiked it on the ground. Not after that one. That was well. And then the play after that. Yeah. We, yeah. We they fumbled the again. Yeah. No, we we knocked the ball out again. Um, and again, and then I think Jeremiah fell on that ball. Yeah. I think Jeremy fell on it, and again they ca- they called it back, and then that's when Coach Rhodes had his uh, famous Infinite. press conference speech. Yeah, like that was his press conference. Like, so what was the locker room like? Which you know, and Coach Rhodes, great coach, great person, loved playing for him. Um, in the locker room, you could obviously tell, like you could tell, he really cared about the game, the outcome of the game from that press conference. But in the locker room, you could really tell that yeah. obviously he truly cared, um, and, and he put it all on the line. Like, yeah, he, you know, obviously he couple losing seasons and stuff like that people could say he was worried about his job no he like he truly cared about us and and the program and where it was going and um he showed that with his passion and his emotion yeah i it was really bummer how that didn't work out because like we got lazard and then quentin bundreds he's hurt in like the third play of the year yeah there's like just like little things like that just 
derailed the season before we even got started. Like how many times we were we have O line that get hurt on like the first couple plays of the season. Yeah. And yeah, it just like sucks. That and kind of you know that uh, White Wright and Eddie Light podcast that was Steel and everything. And yeah. It made me remember back to Steel and and Steel was a great quarterback and his athleticism and and what he could potentially have been. Um, I think even with different coaching styles that should have been incorporated with him. Yeah. Because he was great. He was a really good quarterback. Um, I think we could have even been better with him. Really? Um, and then not um, taking him out of games as many, as fast as we did and let him develop a groove and, and, and let him make his own checkdowns and all that stuff. I think uh, there, there's things like that from, like, an inside perspective on the football team that you look back and you're like, ah, you know, what if that happened? But, like, Jeff and I were talking, Jeff Woody, and we're like, yeah, what ifs. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah. What can you do? And, like, just looking at the program now, like, Campbell comes in, his, like, first couple, his second commits, Dave Montgomery. And yep. it's, like, it's that quick. It just takes one dude to change your p- program. Yeah, and then the, the leaders, like, with Joel Lanning, Alan Lazard, and stuff like that, it was a great core group of guys that um, uh, were brought up, and, and they really wanted to change the culture. And, you know, it's redundant. Everybody talks about it, culture, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. But it's true. Like, it's true in everything you do, you've got to have a good culture, whether it's in the business or whether it's in your family life or on a sports team. And those guys were, were good leaders. So, like, is that, like, the number one thing that's different from when now when you, than when you played is culture? Like, you guys had talent. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But uh, Yeah, definitely um, definitely the, the culture and, and getting everybody to buy into it. Because if you just have, like um, – just have uh, you know 10% of the guys that are buying into it completely and then you have like 10% at the bottom who, are, who just don't even care so you want to grab those 10% up and get them into the other you know in, in the middle there but right now what from an outside perspective I don't um, sometimes I talk to coach Hoosier and, um, and reach out to coach Waters uh, yeah well um, shout out Jake Jake Kansas State quarterback who we should have had yeah well <laughs> actually okay so I'll talk about that I'll go on a little spot okay. here um, when I was at Iowa Western, that is one thing I did press Coach Rhodes on because I wanted I wanted Jake because Jake was good. Jake was really good, and um, Jake yeah. was an Iowa guy. Wanted to play for Iowa State, and um, obviously he had he played he balled out at Kansas State. Yeah, but we were full on quarterbacks. We had at the time we had Barnett, Steele, Tiller, Tiller, yeah, yeah, Tiller, with the infamous beating Sue that one game. Yeah, that was. I'll always remember Tiller from that, just that one long pass to Jake Anderson and beat Sue in Nebraska's the last time we played at Nebraska since the realignment. Yeah. It's awesome to, like, leave Nebraska with one more win. But, like, I mean, the following year. Imagine if we played them now. I saw I know. a couple people chirping about that. And I was like, yeah, let's go in there. Let's go to Nebraska. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, like, obviously, they killed us for years talking smack. Um, that's why I guess like Iowa plays them and beats the crap out of them, but like that's kind of like uh yeah. I remember uh, growing up in Ames, um, and I don't remember what year it was, but Nebraska was in town, and we were somewhere by the stadium, me and my parents and my brother, and we were uh, just it was after the game. We just lost to Nebraska, um, and we're walking back to our cars, and you know just the Nebraska crowd just walking by, screaming "Go Big Red." And, Where's the booze? Where's Welch Avenue? Point us in that direction. I was like, ah, you know, thinking back yeah. on that, and I always wanted to play Nebraska, growing up and going to those games, and yeah, you just the, missed it. Just in their culture of uh, just arrogance, Husker fans. Yeah, it's they're like it's cr- like and now they back, have Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, don't we? That's so like if we're talking about like the real, go back to real, realignment, um. When saying we're going Big Ten, that's the one thing I can't even think about. Just Fred Hoiberg coming into Hilton Coliseum. That's like that's like your ex girlfriend, um, that's was you know really good looking and everything was going great, and then you just you know something happened. You lost touch of your ex girlfriend, and now there's with somebody else. And I that's Fred leaving is probably the number one saddest Iowa State thing. To ever happen in, in my life it took me a long time to get over that yeah because like he went to the, like not to bash fred hoiberg but i'll kind of do it but like he was obviously he brought to iowa state that's something i never thought yeah. as a growing up but when he left for the bulls it didn't make any sense to me derrick rose just got off his knee surgery 
and Jimmy Butler is just like a diva, and I just it just hated like leaving George and Monte George's senior year. Yeah, and th- like the funny enough, like Johnny Orr retired a year before Fred Hoberg's senior year. Yeah. So I'm like, I f- and if anyone would know how much that hurts, it would be Fred. Yeah, but yeah, he definitely it sucks. What he did with. Iowa State, and then him not everybody was making comparisons like, oh, he's gonna be better than Johnny Orr and stuff like that. And it was it, it was kind of nice to see him do his go his own route. Yeah, and he's like, you know what, you know, what? I'm not Johnny Orr. I'm I'm Fred Hoiberg. It, it's unfortunate that he left, and then he didn't have much success, and now he's at Nebraska, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, it just didn't line up. Like we, our program was going downhill, but it just didn't line up from when like he got fired from the Bulls. Yeah, it just didn't line up exactly correctly because it could have been just like. All right, run it back. Yeah. But it just didn't work out that way. And yeah. we got TJ now, who I think is uh, – we'll see how it does. He's done fantastic without even playing a game. But I've heard he's definitely the player's coach. So, yeah. um, and that's something, especially nowadays, um, with how uh, things have changed. And, um, you know, players don't want to go to some school where they're just going to get someone yelling at them the whole time and someone that's – Totally old school. They want somebody that's there, wants what's best for them, and, and it's kind of cool, like to talk with and, and just develop a relationship with. Yeah, like the NIL. We need like a new innovator, someone forward thinking, like a younger guy who like is closer to the generation of the players yep. who actually understands what's going on. Yeah, and great, I think he'll do a great job. Great progress instead of saying this is the way we've always done it. Yeah, that's why I think. Lon Kruger retired. Roy Williams retired. There's, it's not a coincidence that they just like, I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah, you, I can't do this anymore. Or Team USA not going too well with Coach Pop right now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think that has to more do with like the world just being better at basketball. Yeah, I do too. Um, and everybody's connected now. And there's going to be some freak athletes um, out of all these countries that we've never really thought about before yeah. that are just going to come out of the woodworks because everybody's connected now and everybody can, has the resources to learn how to get better. Just look at Giannis, just a guy from – and Giannis and Luca, like – So my buddy uh, Onyeka Mwele, he played center at Iowa State. Yeah. And uh, went to the Raiders and all that stuff. Um, he's a prince, prince Nigeria. Everybody knows that, but I don't want to keep shouting it out. He's a prince. Um he is from Nigeria, so whenever there's like athletes that um, like come from Nigeria, yeah. or his family's from Nigeria, he was born in the United States. Um, I always, uh, I that's what I'm always doing on Twitter. I always like tag like all these athletes that are making it big because like in MMA, you've got Kamaru Usman, Israel, yeah, um, Style Bender, um, then you've got Giannis with basketball, uh, Francis Naganu, all these all these places that you know. Um, with I don't Francis might not be in Nigeria, but. Um, Going back on it, it's like all these countries have the resources now and are becoming mm-hmm. more connected. And, and you're going to see that I think more athletes are going to be coming from other countries, more gifted athletes. Especially like I'm, I don't know, I don't know like the history of like the countries or whatever, but like everything's more accessible. Like media, like they can watch videos on like when growing up, like the internet. Like if you didn't have TV, like you didn't like growing up you like emulate like what you're watching and like i feel like that's a huge thing with athletics and well kids are just sitting around on their ipads now and and not and not doing anything yeah you've got to be doing stuff and you've got these hungry young athletes that are uh, either in america where they want to escape their certain environments that they're in and they're hungry and they want to do something about it or somewhere else where they're like hey i saw this on the television and i have access to this you know wi-fi here and i can look up how to get better and they're doing it because they have the want yeah so i think yeah it's definitely going to see like things are changing so like it's changing so fast it's yeah it's hard to keep up yeah um definitely circling back to the conference realignment when uh, jamie pollard was telling everybody you know basically yeah. calm down and stuff it's like yeah yeah let's let's calm down but uh a week ago <laughs> or two weeks ago we had the big 12 media day and yeah that- none of this was going to happen and then then we hear this, and then yeah, they're leaving all within a week, and it's like, oh god, Twitter's just going and going nuts. Yeah, like I finally got my LLC for this podcast. I was in the lawyer's office signing my thing. Then I walk back to my car, look at my phone, Oklahoma, Texas, gone. I'm like, what are the what are the odds that that happens? Yeah, um, especially founding fathers of the Big Twelve. Uh, it's I don't know. You can talk about we could talk about this for like four hours, like yeah. how, like the ramifications we even thought about yet. Yeah, just like 
like football, but like basketball is like a not afterthought, like not even talked about. So I was thinking about that too, and I was also thinking about um, you know the, the sports that are scholarship sports that are funded by the universities and stuff, but that don't really generate that much revenue. And it's like, oh man, what, what's going to happen with those? What's yeah. going to happen with those sports, those programs, and everything? And then especially with their if there's teams that are going to our schools going to different conferences that they don't have as much media rights and all this stuff. It's going to be interesting. Um, and it might not be as equal as, or it might not be as good as everybody thought it was going to be because yeah. it's really going to disproportionate uh, what, where the money's going. Especially like when you're trying to build a program, like change the play styles of like your conference. Like when you have a new culture, like when a new co- coach comes in and then you finally like, get to a point where you're competing in the conference and then you're just like stripped away. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. that's terrible. It's, and, st- well, and, and now with Iowa state being so deep on, on football and on the depth chart, um, I could see it being an easier transition, uh, to molding to different, like different, yeah. uh, offenses and stuff like that or defenses. But, uh, before, like in, in my era or something like that, if there was a conference where alignment, would be like, ah, okay, <laughs> we don't have the personnel for this, but we'll make it happen. Yeah. Which another thing we I haven't touched on, like say this is just like doom gloom, like this is negative Tom just like going off. So like we'll just say Brees is like just not really bought in, like but he's still like a Heisman contender at Iowa State. Can a just a Texas guy in the SEC just buy him from Iowa State, and he could transfer right away? Yes. Yeah, so, so like if you were that good and you wanted to like be like on the on the national stage, competing for national titles, and the media just doesn't really focus on Iowa State unless they're forced to. Why would you stay at Iowa State when you can go to Alabama and get all the attention? Yeah, and with different, you make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars apparently already, and not even play there. Yeah. Um, it's definitely going to. There's going to be things that come out of this where that's going to happen because it was already happening. Yeah, and it was happening in an era before the internet, really, and then it happened with the internet. Um, and give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Brees, Ames in the summertime is great. It's great. There's lots of stuff to do. Stop it. Stop mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. It's great. A lot of things to do. A lot of good places to go eat. Go to perfect games. Yeah. <laughs> go to perfect games. That's fun. It's really fun. It's really good for recruits. Yeah, just especially like the upbringing of athletes that finally get cash and like, now that's an option. Like, if you don't have a good upbringing, then, like, you work your way up to finally get the pros. But not, now you can do it as an 18-year-old. Yeah. And it's just a whole new ballpark. Yeah, it's definitely – I've seen people even comparing it to, like, D-Leagues and stuff. Um, who watches the D-League, the NBA D-League? Who does? Like, I, I don't. I, I had an uncle who was a trainer for the D-League when it first started, and like I did then how many years ago. Um, but – I've seen people make comparisons to that. Like, this is essentially what college football might turn into, especially if you have all this money going to this one conference or there's a couple conferences, and then these other teams are just shells of what they used to be or what they could have been. Um, it's going to be interesting. Especially um, with COVID, just killing these athletic departments, and now when your two cash cows just get up and leave. Yeah. And, and like, in the TV contracts, like, it's like uh, – I can't remember, but like it could be minimalized to a lot less than it was since like those two leave. It can it like I think right now it's like thirty six million a school, but like it can get down to like eight million dollars a school. Yeah, and that's just sucks. Definitely, um, the Big Twelve is gonna have to think about that too, and how they uh, disperse all their money to a little bit better too. So like, where do you see Iowa State going? Like, without like a, we no one knows, but like what. With not even like not having any data like to think of because everyone's just guessing. Where do you want Iowa State to go, and what do you see actually see Iowa State going? Um. So when I've seen projections for like the Pac-12, at first I was like, ah man, come on, you know. And then we're gonna we're gonna have to be terrible as a player, like because you're gonna have to go to Pacific time, um, go back two hours, um, and get your body adjusted to that for for different games and and stuff like that. And then for the, the fans as well, for like traveling and watching on TV. I remember watching Hawaii growing up back in the, back in the day. Um, 
definitely, I, I didn't, I wasn't too, uh, I didn't like that idea as much. But then I started looking at how they were going to split it up. And I was like, you know what? I could see that. I could see us playing like Utah, um, Colorado, um, and those schools that are closest to us. Um, and then I saw like Washington in there as well. Um, but the Big Ten, obviously, that's where I would want Iowa State to go. Is the Big Ten? It um, just makes sense. And then, and then Iowa could quit complaining because but we wouldn't be would playing be. them every year for their non-conference game. Probably be playing them every other year and then beating them every other year. Um, so they can, so they can schedule North Dakota State and lose them, or yeah, yeah. lose to someone else that the meaningless game, meaning, meaningless game, unquote unquote. But yeah. I don't. But, but I, you'd have to really talk me into Pac-12 because, like, basket, like the time, like the time zones, like basketball games, like, oh, I'm gonna stay up till 11:30 and watch Iowa State, yeah. especially if we're not like killing it, like that's gonna kill those basketball and women's sports. Yeah, like yeah. women's sports is like a very niche sport, but like it's kind of growing in Iowa State popularity. But it'd be interesting to see what moving conferences would do to it, and. Yeah, just not being able to watch road games. So it's like, it'd be like before even like the games were on TV. Like, why would you even watch it? Like, if you're, imagine if you're a little kid, like, you got to go to bed at like eight or 9 30, but yeah. like the clones haven't even tipped off yet. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, I, I agree. And that's what I thought of at first, too. I was like, ah, oh man, I don't want to, I, I always need to go to the Pac 12, except I have family on the West Coast. And that was like the other positive. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'll go out to, Watch Iowa State beat UCLA or something, but and like the, like the cultures of Iowans and people in California, like we're gonna fly in, and do they even have bush light there? Like no, and they probably don't even know what Iowa is because all my family was like, "What you moved to Ohio?" I'm like, no, Iowa. What you moved to Idaho where there's potatoes? No, Iowa. Yeah, <laughs> it's Iowa. But yeah, it'll be definitely be interesting. Yeah, they don't they don't tailgate really out there either. Like. I've been to UCLA games. I've been to USC games. Really? They, they don't tailgate like Iowa State does. Very rare schools. Uh, uh, there's not very many schools that tailgate like Iowa State does. If you're not in, like, the SEC where it's, like, church, like they're going to church, like, they dress up and all that. Yeah. I, I want to go to, like, an SEC game. I've never been to, like, that environment. Yeah. It's, it's like a different ball game down there. Yeah. No, it's, like, in their DNA down there. So, circling back to Jake Waters. Mm. So... If we get Jake Waters, how, like, differently do you see, not to, like, bash, like, the quarterbacks we had, but, like, if we had Jake Waters compared to who we had? Uh, Jake was a competitor, um, and he was really smart. So, like, there was games that Kansas State shouldn't have won, um, a.k.a. two, well, one, just one against us. Um, but Jake, by, <laughs> by like, you know, sheer will, uh, ran it into the end zone. I, I think it was either a run or uh, it was at the pylon. Yeah. And, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but with sheer will, like, Jake would make things happen, uh, like a true competitor. Um, great guy, great person. I think we would have – I think a lot of the games that we lost, like I mentioned before, somebody's going to have to fact check how many games we lost by a touchdown or less, but it was, like, around six or seven. Um, I think we would have won. Yeah. <laughs> like, with Jake, I really do. And, yeah, like and, – And he didn't need to be in a Colin Klein offense. Like yeah, I know. If, if we if, if he was running our offense, I think yeah, it would have been a little bit better too. Like, yeah, like every time we played them too, like they would say it like ten times on the broadcast. Like, oh, he grew up an Iowa State fan. It's kind of funny seeing him beat up on the Iowa State when he wanted to go to Iowa State. And then yeah, they said that like a million times. I'm like, and okay. his dad, I think his dad was a cheerleader for Iowa State too. Really, remembering correctly. And it's just ironic now he's on the staff at Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, no, Jake's Jake's great. He's a good Campbell's. Doing a good job by bringing him back because he was a, um, a GA originally with any, with Iowa State. So he had a lot of heartbreaking losses. We did like we've done like heartbreak series, and he had who which one stings the heart like the most when you first think of one. Oh man, there's a lot of them to pick from. Well, unfortunately. you know this is yeah, and this is probably unconventional. Um, probably nobody would ever say this, but. 2013, uh, the Liberty Bowl, because we already beat Tulsa. Yeah. Um, or it was 2012. So we beat Tulsa and in the regular season pretty pretty easily. Yeah. First game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the first game. Um, had my first strip sack that game, too. Yeah. Um, and then we go and we play them in the bowl game, and we just lay an egg. 
and that set the tone for the next season. It really did. Because I remember even after the game just thinking, man, we something's got to change. Like, how did we let this happen? Um, yeah, I remember that Tulsa game, the first game of the season. Like, Tulsa, like, was, like, good. Like, leading up the season, like, we're like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. And then we just go out there and we, like, handle them pretty well. And, like, it was a beautiful day that day. I remember that. Yeah. And – I think Cody Green was their quarterback who was at Nebraska. Nebraska. The yeah. last the last Nebraska game we played when the fake PAT that yeah, that was rough. Yeah. So yeah, that told, I remember that vividly the bowl game. I kind of like deleted my mind where it was Liberty Bowl and we just how, do you, was it a close game or did we just kind of get uh no, I, I mean there was a lot of guys that got like sick that game too. Like was going around um but it was not and it was it was just kind of um really big letdown um funny story though that week um and this has nothing to do with our loss but sometimes you know in bowl games and bowl weeks and stuff you go out and you have some drinks yeah. during the week and you go out and see the town and stuff i remember uh going to like coyote ugly and all this stuff and then one we had a curfew I don't remember what time the curfew was that night, and we're staying at the Peabody Hotel. Um, and it was like 30 minutes before curfew, and President Leith was in there. Oh, really? And, Gosh, you know, we're, we're having some beers with him, and then we look at the clock, and it's 10 minutes left till curfew. And we're like, hey, you know, we got to go back, Prez. Like, you know, <laughs> Coach Rhodes says we have a curfew. And he goes, you tell Coach Rhodes the president says you're okay to be out here. And we're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> And then we snuck away from Preston Leith, but yeah, that was, uh, I always tell people that story and it's so funny. Like thinking back on that, but like, man, the president was there and he said, Hey, you tell coach Rhodes Just partying with his, his, uh, snakeskin boots and all that. Early. Yeah. I, I forgot about President Leith. He's the reason why we didn't get TJ the first time around. That's the only thing I remember about him. Or Visha. Visha. He's the one who shut down Visha. Mm, yeah. So, that's, here's a question. If David Irving never has a picture taken of him with the stop sign, does he get kicked off the team? No. No. I don't. I don't. Like, the stop sign, I remember that night, too. Um, I remember because we couldn't really we, – we had a practice the next morning. So the majority of us, um, which was smart to schedule spring ball around Visha, so you, we had practices, so the majority of players wouldn't be out and about. Like our freshman year – or my freshman year um, – there we could actually do Visha, which was different. That was, that was pretty fun. Um, but that year we had like a practice this ma- the next morning, and me and a couple buddies were listening to our police scanners that we oh, had yeah. maps. So we listened to it, and we could hear that things were ramping up. And uh, I remember looking at my buddy, and I, I was like, I'm not going. And he's like, let's go. Let's go watch it. Let's go watch it. And then so he goes, and I stay home. And then next thing you hear, he's like, dude, stay. David was holding the stop sign. The kid gets hit with a, a light pole. Things were happening. Cars were getting rocked. I was like, no. But then the next morning, the pictures come out with David. And it's like, like in yeah, the Des register, right? And he's eight feet tall. Like, yeah. Just the the biggest guy, and like probably there, tallest guy. And holding yeah, holding these stop signs as high as he can. Holding the stop sign. Yeah. And just it, that sucked. Because like he had so much. Obviously, now he's in the NFL and like. Mm-hmm. With you, Rodney Coe, it just sucks what could have been. Yeah, like my whole career kind of went like that. It was always just uphill battle from high school to college and stuff like that. It was just one of one more blow. It's like, all right, we lost David. All right, here we go. Um, who was your second choice of going to college? Like, it was Iowa State, and if Iowa State didn't work out, where would you land? Land? Do you think? Um, we can kind of go through my, my whole recruiting process. Um, but at Iowa Western, once I went there, I had offers pretty much to everywhere. And even, uh, Oregon had came in and coach Azanero was there at Oregon at the time. And when I had told him that I wanted to play for Iowa state, he's like, Iowa state. He's like, don't you want to play for the NFL? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, then come to Oregon and stuff. And which is funny because a few years back I went to UCLA and I was visiting Coach Rhodes. And Azanero was on staff at UCLA. And he didn't recognize me. And I told Coach Rhodes that story. So then Coach Rhodes calls him over and, and he thinks I'm a recruit at UCLA because I kind of I still work out and everything. And um, he comes up. He's shaking my hand, doing the whole, like, uh, salesman pitch and everything. Hey, how's it going? Nah, nah, nah. And then Coach Rhodes, like, lays it out. He's like, 
you wanted him to go to Oregon instead of Iowa State when you knew he wanted to go to Iowa State? And as an air is just like looking at me like, huh, I did? I said that? <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was, uh, it was a funny moment. But um, probably pray there. Oregon? Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, Oregon was like my second favorite team growing up. Like, Iowa State obviously struggled, and I was like, grew up in Humboldt where at the time, but now it's not the case. It was majority Iowa fans. So I was like, I got to have a second-tier team to, like, get a jer- – and, like, they had sweet jerseys, Dennis Dixon, yeah. and they were, they were so fun to watch. And that's when they were, like, yeah, Oregon was just a power powerhouse. Um, yeah, I grew up in Ames and I grew up as a Cyclone fan as well. So it's definitely – it was a – and when I said earlier, it was, like, a, you know, an uphill battle for everything, even as a fan because I, I feel everything the fans felt. Yeah. So um, – so losses hurt even worse when you're playing for the team you grew up wanting to play for, probably. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, going back to originally, um, growing up entirely just a big Cyclone fan, Cyclone family. Um, originally, you know, I grew up in California, though, for my first – until I was eight. But my dad was from Iowa. He was from Ames. Um, and then my grandma got Alzheimer's, so we moved to – Ames yeah. and then growing up in Ames going to Cyclone games it was like okay yeah I want to play football for Iowa State play football for Iowa State and my dad was big big blue collar uh, guy that just you know if you want to work somewhere you gotta or you want that to uh, your dream to be accomplished that you've got to you got to work for it and stuff so I was always grinding 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 for Iowa State um, and then playing at Gilbert I uh, was a so I'll, I'll go back a little bit. My dad passed away my freshman year of high school. So um, definitely a, a big motivator to get for my work ethic and, and to get for where I wanted to be. And where I wanted to be was Iowa State because that's what we talked about. Um, so when my senior year came and, and I had offers from UNI and Ball State and then Wyoming was talking to me but never actually offered, um, I wanted to go to Iowa State to, to prove that I could do it. Yeah. Um, talked to Coach Rhodes. Coach Rhodes is like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'd love to have you. We just haven't seen you play at the positions we want you to play at, like defensive line. So I'm like, okay, um, go to Iowa Western and go through the junior college process and work my way to starting at the junior college, work my way to getting all these offers, and then I finally made it to Iowa State. And then go to Iowa State and have to work my way through being a starter and then um, having all the other adversity with the losses and then um, – becoming the All-Big 12 two years in a row, and then uh, becoming a captain uh, my senior year, and then and uh, getting the opportunity to go to the NFL. Yeah, so what what position did you play in high school? Were you, so you had to switch. It was a linebacker? You didn't play D-line? Yeah, so I played linebacker, and I played, I played everything. So um, tight end, linebacker. But then, like, my senior year, um, well, my sophomore year, I played fullback for us. Um, and then my senior year, I we I was still playing tight end, but I was the second heaviest kid on the team, and uh, we were losing to Jefferson Scranton. We were like down fourteen to zero. It was the fourth quarter, and finally I, I told my coach, I'm like, put me in at running back, like just let me run the ball. And then we ended up I ended up scoring two touchdowns right away, like a sixty yard run. And then the next time we got the ball, uh, four uh, three and out, and then I came back in and, and scored another touchdown, and we won. Um, so I played running back for a little bit, and then I was like, that was like right after Tim Tebow at Florida. So I was like, let's just run the Wildcat. Like, yeah. And, I, and so I, we ran a Wildcat offense and, at Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert, uh, I think I, I'm from Humboldt, so like we played them a couple of years after you where you were gone. So that, that Gilbert's kind of grown ever since you've left. And yeah. When I went, um, my class was like 77 uh, people we graduated with more of an ag community still and now it's definitely uh, more uh, burb suburb community yeah. and bigger yeah um so like you went to that like i'm to be completely honest like i don't remember like you like the nfl thing because like i kind of got lost in the shuffle honestly with me so like could you just go through like what happened since so i think you said to me earlier that it was kind of like misquoted like what actually happened so like yeah so you know all right, so going through, and I kind of touched up, like, you know, my dad passed away in high, and when I was in high school, when I was a, when I was a freshman. Um, worked my ass off to get to the position where I was at at Iowa State. 
Um, and then we had some bad years, um, yeah. had some down years, um, captain of the football team. You know, I, I was always talking to the media and talking to other people. People always would, would um, in the community too, would talk with me and, um, social media was big too. So like we were seeing everything on our phones of uh, the press of everything about us. Um, but so I, I, I did enough where to the point where like, um, you know, I was getting looked at by teams and I knew I was getting looked at by teams and I had an agent and everything like that. Um, and a week before the draft, um, my agent actually got calls from another agent saying that your agent got decertified by the NFLPA because he had poached another client. You need to pick us up or pick us up and switch agents if you want to, um, if you want to get drafted or, uh, you know, get picked up. So I called a couple of my teammates that knew this agent um, and uh, that actually used him as well. And they're like, nah, you're good. You know, he's got a, he's got a partner. The, the teams will call his partner and then he'll talk to you. Well, then draft day comes and I, I was like, you know, I was projected to, to go, you know, around the fifth round. Um, and then at the end of the day, Baltimore calls up and they're like, hey, you, um, we were going to call you earlier, but we had nobody that we could talk to. We actually got your cell phone number from a college coach that recruited you, um, and it wasn't even Iowa State. Oh, really? And then they called us, and they're like, hey, you want to come out here? And I'm like, yeah. And it was kind of shocking moment and stuff. But at the time, too, I met my wife. or my She wasn't my wife um, then. She was my, uh, my girlfriend. Um, and she um, opened up a dance studio in Ankeny, Dancing with Roxy. Um, and, you know, going my whole life going through – what I have with like losses between either my dad or coach Bray passing away in college, um, Curtis Bray, um, and, and seeing all these things that, um, in life that nothing's ever like guaranteed to you. And, and, and there's so much more to the money and, and, and fame and stuff like that. And you, you, you gotta take back, you can't always be looking for, uh, going and making that much money or being famous or something like that. Um, that was really important to me. Um, and, and so when I met my girlfriend, I knew she wanted to, with all these uh, dance studios and stuff, I was like, well, there's no way that's going to happen if I'm in the NFL. Um, just going from talking to some of my former teammates and stuff and, and knowing that I'd be in Baltimore, I'd be living out there, um, and, and just the way she is. And, and I knew she would, it would be really tough. Um, so, you know, I go out to Baltimore. And originally I talked about to my grandma had, uh, we moved to Iowa to take care of my grandma who had Alzheimer's, you yeah. know, CTE type stuff. So that, I always had that in the back of my head. Oh, so yeah. my dad dies of a heart attack. Grandma has Alzheimer's. Then I meet this, this girl and stuff and I get to Baltimore. I'm like, what am I doing? You know what? Am I doing this for me or am I doing this for like, um, my, my, my future family and, or my family right now? I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I've got this agent stuff that's been going on. I've had all this stress of, of dealing with, uh, you know, we, I, I made it to Iowa State, like I said I was going to do, and I made it to the NFL because I, I got the call, I signed my contract, I went out there and everything. I was like, you know what, I made it. I, I made it as far as I want, and I can say that I made it. Um, so I walked into Harbaugh's office, and I said, I'm done. And he looked at me, and he's like, you're done? I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And he's like, you know, normally I tell people when they're done. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah, I, I'm done. And so came back. Um, and I, I definitely, I, I might have, like, you know, it was taken out of context, like, in the newspaper said I had anxiety and stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't that. It was everything that I've talked about. Um, I, I have more things that are important to me that I know it's important. That's why I didn't, you know, stick, yeah. it, stick it out in Baltimore or anything, came back here. Now, my wife's dance studio in Ankeny, I mean, they, they're national champions working on that world championship. It's, uh, it's pretty big, Dancing with Roxy. That's cool. Uh, yeah, my my grandpa also died of Alzheimer's too. So mm -hmm. I, my my family know all that about what, hap what happens there. Yeah, like what you said. Like when you were growing up, did you want to like end in the NFL or it was just Iowa State? You know, I it, so because like I'm just saying for me, like okay, obviously I, I was five seven or five eight, not gonna play in the NBA. So I was like, I want to play as Iowa State. Yeah. And, like, that obviously didn't happen. So, like, because, like, I didn't even think of the NBA. So, like, Iowa State was always the goal. Like, growing up, going to the games, like, there was no NFL or NBA schools around, like, not like schools, NBA, teams around here. So, like, that's, like, the target. Yeah. And it sounds like you got that target and, like, 
and you just like probably didn't even think of going to the NFL. Yeah, I know, and, that, and that's really, um, you know, especially growing up, Cyclone fan, same thing. There, and, and there's no major uh, professional sport teams around us in Minnesota and Kansas City, whatever. Um, I've actually never been to an NFL game, ever, really? still to this day. Um, so, but then especially, like, it was always, hey, I'm going to make it. I'm going to play for Iowa State. Then my dad dies, and then yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to play for Iowa State. And then that was that was it. Like, that was the, yeah. the blinders and, and right there. And then kind of like you said with your your, um, uh, your your relative with Alzheimer's as well and dealing with that and growing up with her because then we had to – I had to take care of her with my mom in high school because uh, she lived with us. Um, and then having former players for Iowa State come back and like eh, older players and talk uh-huh. with us and you could tell they're like, you know, they're it's that punch drunk. They're slurring yeah. their words. They're, yeah. they're forgetting what they're saying. It's like, ah, oh, man. And we kind of – at the time we laughed. We're like – Oh man, he's he's hit his head too many times. But yeah. then thinking about that as well, it's like, oh man, I don't want that to happen to me. Like either, there's a cost benefit of everything, and like, obviously, like every everyone now basically is like, I want it now, I want it now, I want the money now. Like, but if you have your health, you have everything. Yeah, which which you probably were thinking that. Yeah, and everybody has different priorities and everything that they want. Um, and, and at the time, you know, I I, I made it. I'm good with that, and um, now it's it's doing something else, and and, and um, knowing what my priorities are and what I want to do for my family. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's like not the very highlighted story of like what people want to, but I think that's very like down to earth island. It's like like just it's like a good story of just going back. Like Iowa has a special place and. If you live in Iowa, it's so like family oriented. That's why like Iowa State is like just one big family, and yeah, no, and it, it really is like and just looking on like Iowa State Twitterverse is what I call it, and seeing everything and all the the, the fans that are talking to each other and people that are um, getting a ton of like favorites and all this stuff that I've like never even heard of, and then I see that they're like ringleaders in these fan groups and yeah. stuff, and it's like it is that it's it's a one big family yeah. oriented group community. And that's why I think whenever the fir- like the first tailgate this fall is like last year we didn't have tailgating and it's just like a top ten team in front on top of it like even w- if we like didn't have a great team like we- it would still be uh, you could argue just as big of a party. Oh yeah, and I hopefully the COVID yeah situation uh, and slows down yeah. So then that when Iowa does come into town, it'll be just gonna be like i mean visha's gone but this is probably gonna be the closest thing to visha it's gonna be like mad max somebody waving their flags and everything yeah and rvs yeah especially like if we get like more murmurs of it going to big 10 like this could like raise the level of already what the rivalry is yeah knowing like what's gonna be etched in stone if we do go to the big 10 like this is gonna be the now on for sure you can no one's gonna like no one can bail out of the rivalry anymore. We're in the same conference. Yeah, and, and the whole little brother thing. It's like, okay, let's let's send them off before we leave the Big 12. Let's beat them every year now, yeah. and then we'll come to the Big 10, and then it's a reset, and then we'll just destroy you in your own conference, um, yeah. and then you can keep calling us little brother. Especially, like, I like the, the dynamic of Campbell obviously wants to be at Iowa State. It's kind of like mm-hmm. he got offered $70 million from the Lions, like – He's kind of like has like the same. Which that's a funny story how uh, Matt or Dan Campbell got the job because he got everybody, uh, his agent to make everybody think yeah. that he's Matt Campbell. So yeah. I think that's funny. And I think you and Matt have like a similar mindset. Like you don't have to like, you ha- you set your own what you want. You don't have to do what society tells you. What, like what he said in the press conference, like just like, you, what do you say? Like everyone's trying to be someone, but I'm trying to do something or something like that. Exactly. And that, that's what sets him different from uh, everybody. Um, And that mindset when he, when his first spring, when he was here, I I had, uh, I got to talk with him and when he, I had heard from other coaches that he was here because he came here when Toledo played us and he was like, wow, I want my kids to grow up here. And then I had the conversation with him because I was like, okay, everybody says that. And then I had a conversation with him and I was like, okay, yeah, no, he means it. Yeah. And then when everybody was like, oh, Matt's going to be gone. Matt's going to be gone. I'm like, no, 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 he's not because he's different. Yeah. And that's that's what sets him apart. And, like, the difference between – Rhodes was a good, like, perfect for Iowa State too, but, like, the staffs didn't hold up. Like, Campbell has a crew. Like, they're all together, which I think was a huge thing about the Rhodes era that no one really talks about. 
and that's something that nobody talks about too. Like we knew the staff, um, there was conflict within the staff and there was coaches that didn't like each other or there was coaches that would always end up fighting. Um, funny story. The, uh, the, the, the best fight I've ever seen was when, or it wasn't a fight. It didn't turn into one, okay. but Mangino and Wally. Oh, really? Rubbing, uh, bumping uh, bellies up against each other and talking about the old days at Oklahoma and Florida state. And they were about to duke it out. But just that example, there were there was other coaches that we knew, and we knew they didn't like each other. The first spring when I went into Iowa State, and I was just walking around the hallways with with Coach Campbell, um, it, was, it was it was different. It was a different feeling, and and these coaches all love each other, and they all praise each other, and they're all they're all building each other up, and that's what you need. That's what you need to be successful. You don't need people out there that are just in it for themselves. Um, and they've got these hidden agendas and stuff, and how they're going to leave and make it big and be some head coach somewhere else and stuff. No, you need let's 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 take care of the mission, and then eventually the, the stuff will follow if if that's what you want. Then yeah, just like don't force stuff. Just think about Chizik. He won nothing at Iowa State and just left whenever he could. And look at Campbell. He could literally have gone to Florida State, the Browns, off like so many opportunities where he left, and it's just. Uh, it's just like a finally, like oh, he, we have a, our guy who's a stud. I have a confession to make about uh, Coach Chizik. What's that? There was a big party, high school party one night. It was right next to his house, and um, you know everybody was out there and they were having a party, and I was there. Um, wasn't partaking in any party things per se, but I was there. Don't want your records from uh, Gilbert to go away or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So <laughs> I was there, and then the police showed up, and everybody darted out the back. I ran into Chizik's, uh, like, it was a, he had a deck, and then underneath the deck, he had his grill. Yeah. And I ran, and I went underneath his deck, and I, like, hid, tried to hide underneath his grill, and, like, put the cover over me. So, Gene Chizik saved me in high school. His grill did. Oh, that's, that's a story. <laughs> Gilbert. So, like, yeah, Chizik, man, he saved your butt. Yeah. Because he was probably, how old, you were a senior, I'm guessing? Or, or probably, that sophomore year, year maybe? Yeah, sophomore, or junior. Or junior summer. Huh. Yeah. So shout out to Gene Chizik. Yep, Gene Chizik, you saved me. Your girl saved me. Nice. That's that's not a, that's placement. not where I thought you were gonna go with that. But actually, yeah, I, I first started getting recruited by the Chizik era and then it carried over into Coach Rhodes. So like you said Oregon was your second school. Was it very how was it seeing Iowa State beat them in the Fiesta Bowl? Oh, that was, I mean, God, I got emotional watching the Fiesta Bowl. And I was like, holy crap. And, and to, to be at the, this point of a program and where we're going out there and we're, we're beating up on Oregon and, and we win that and that, the bowl game, I was like, man, I, got, I was choked up watching my TV in, in Hampton, Iowa. I was like, God, like, we made it. So it's, yeah. it's something as a fan, as a player, as a former player, it's like, holy cow, I'm so glad that this fan base got that, that, that opportunity. That's why I got, I got super emotional. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Me and my, me and my brother and his buddies are like smoking cigars. Like, like we didn't do anything. We're just fans. But like, man, oh, like we stuck it out. Like we were Iowa State fans. We we're going there when we were terrible. Yeah. No. Showing up, t- like act like getting excited every single season, no it's matter. It's a part of you. Yeah. It's a part of you. And it's, 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 it's one the team is, is, the nation, Cyclone Nation. Yeah. Yeah, it truly is. And it just, man, it just sucked. We couldn't be there. I know. <laughs> I, I That's where I was getting, I was like, man, this, what a special moment. And then, yeah, no fans could be there really. But but then, like, it was like, not, there was no buffer, like, oh, who's leaving? It was like, everyone got back to the locker room, like, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. And they're like, let's go. Like, that yeah. just, like, hyped us up even more. Like, Chase Allen says he's coming back. Purdy's like, I'm not going anywhere. Yep. And then it's like, Man, and then Kohler's like the only one that was like, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was then, worried about that one too. And then he made his decision. I don't know if you heard about that. On a flip of a coin, he flipped a coin that he was leaving or staying, and it landed staying at Iowa State. So when I left Ames, uh, I don't think so. Chase Allen and Kohler, I, I think they were roommates because they lived down the block from me in a house, and I don't think they knew who I was. And I would always walk my dog, and I'd walk by their house, and and, and just could say, hey. And like walked by, um, but one day, uh, uh, Kohler's dog came running. and He was playing with my dog. Oh yeah. And I, I was yelling Max because my dog's name is Max, and I was walking on the with my leash, and 
his dog is named Max too. So oh, it was really? like it was like perfect. It was like Max, get over here. And then like both dogs came over to me, and then and then he starts yelling, Max, come here. I'm like, your dog's named Max too. <laughs> me too. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a cr- like this the realignment thing. Kind of like I'm been bummed about it ever since last week. But like you, we gotta th- remember that we have a top ten team coming back. Yep. And we can't really let Texas and Oklahoma take that away from us already without the season's even starting. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely we've, – we've got – we're more set up now to be in the best position possible out of this whole fiasco than we've ever been. So mm-hmm. that's the good coming out of this, and it's – we're going to be able to dictate where we go. So, like, you're a D-end. What's your – and one of my favorite players maybe ever at Iowa State already is Will McDonald. He's afraid. He is literally chain gang. Yeah, chain like, gang. Um, Coach Rashid, he's the real deal. Um, the way he coaches those players, and the way they produce, and what they do, and then um, he he's the real deal. I he, Will McDonald, watching him last year, watching him in the bowl game, you're just watching what he's doing. He's like, yeah, he's gonna be really good. And if he can keep up what he's doing, his trajectory, he's he. I mean. Be um, definitely NFL caliber. He's already, but yeah, like I saw a projection, one projection. He's like top fifteen pick. Yep. Like, man, a top fifteen pick at Iowa State is like unheard of. Obviously. Oh yeah, these next couple draft classes is gonna be it's gonna be all cardinal and gold. That's because really like I was watching like Reggie Bush, like Brees Hall is not like Reggie Bush is like a goat, obviously, but like it's just crazy to think like Brees Hall is our Reggie Bush. Yeah. And, like, just think of, like, growing up and, like, where someday we were, we're going to get a guy who's, like, sixth in the Heisman who le- legit could have been, like, if the styles of plays was different, like, could have maybe won the Heisman. And it's, it's yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Matt, um, Matt Leinhart with Brock Purdy and then you're Reggie Bush with Brees Hall. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty it, – it, Charlie Kohler. Set up. Yeah. Set up for that. So uh, where, what do you see – Projection projections this year? Or are you just like taking game by game, like a coach, or are you like you like expectation wise? Do you have expectations? Like you, we all have expectations, but like you know, as a player, like anything could go wrong. Yeah, drop of a hat. So like, where are you, where are you going as a fan rather than like as a player going into the season? I think first off, last year was kind of weird with like our our first game with Louisiana. Um, like you know, it was a COVID year, and yeah. you you've got guys that haven't even been out there really hitting and, and practicing as much as they could be to fully reach the potential of what um, the team could have been. So I think last year, like you know, the slow start and everything. I don't think the slow start is going to happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen at all. Um, I it's hard for me to watch games because I'm usually like watching the D line or the defense, yeah. <laughs> and so it is hard for me to watch games and like you said, taking it game by game. Um, but expectations, I, I really do see us. I foresee us um, making, uh, you know, a, a New Year's Bowl. I really yeah, do. Yeah. And finally have the time where we can actually go bring the whole state of Iowa there and just rage it up. Yeah, that's that's why I mean, this COVID stuff's got to blow over so yeah, that can happen. Yeah. And I feel like – the, we'll just go back to like the Trone Young game. We didn't get like Purdy didn't have a chance to go down and finish it, but like he was running for his life in the Big Twelve championship game. And like I feel like we're finally gonna some at some point it's gonna be like a one possession game. We finally just win that game that we have have lost the ones that we've been so close where we've lost. So I think we're gonna finally overtake that. Yeah, and I think Brock's gonna probably play on a with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I think he's better than Rattler. I I do. I think he's a he's a competitor, and I think he's gonna go out there. And I hope he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and I hope he plays to the um, what he's capable of because we've seen what he's capable of, and and the things he does with his pump fake and all that stuff. It's yeah. like, oh man, that's pretty cool. And and that would be hard as a as a defender to to, uh, to keep tracking him while he's doing that stuff. Um, but just staying level-headed and making the plays, doing everything that you know you can do. Don't do anything too special. Don't don't overstep what you're you're capable of doing. I think, and then I think Brock definitely um, he's like a little Drew Brees, but more athletic. Yeah, I think with Rattler, I think like Brock is getting under like unpre- is, underappreciated. No, like even an Iowa State fan base, like we have Brees, we have Kohler, but Brock is the best quarterback we've ever got, had. 
and he's somehow underappreciated. He really is, and um, you know what? Keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. let's let's keep it that way. Brock, yeah, don't listen to this. Like, keep that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, so, I'd rather have him have a chip on his shoulder and just prove sh- everybody wrong. Just show out, especially this Iowa game, for sure. Finally, like Brees, Iowa hasn't yet to play Brees Hall. Has yet to play with McDonald. Yeah, but they're tight end. You. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many Mackey Award uh, watch list like, guys do they have? <laughs> yeah, I think they have a good get. Like they have a good tight end prospect, but last year was so weird. Yeah. Which, but we do have the best tight ends group, tight end in the country. And they're smart. They're both smart. Yeah, That's they're all like engineers. Like the tight ends I play, they weren't smart. <laughs> Sorry, EJ. Sorry, yeah. Ernst. EJ, EJ was good. <laughs> yeah, EJ good. was he's a good guy. He's, he's like really getting uh, into working out now, too, so that's good. EJ was a stud. So, yeah, this is this has been fun. I've been, it's really nice to have someone near Clarion, Iowa. It's not, I don't think many cycl- or former Cyclones live around Clarion, they, Iowa. To I have don't think interview. very many people live up here in general. That's true, like, yeah. Holy cow. There's some good food places in Mason City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just doesn't pull, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah. No, it was good. Cool. This was fun. All right. Till next time, second fans.